To the show with me is my guest, known only to the audience as Hiromi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Hello. Thank uh, you. Uh, so Hiromi and I have been friends for a, for a bit. Uh, she is a therapist. Yes. And she has told me in advance that she's going to tell me a story as a car drives by. A story about her her job her career so but i don't know what it is i just know that it's in that space so that's gonna be cool uh fun fact about haromi and i uh we had the same haircut (laughs) for like two and a half years i forgot about that yeah i had the long hair which is but it was a mullet for me yeah no for me too (laughs) can women have mullets yes That's why we had a photo shoot because yes, another friend had, we had varying degrees of mullets, but mine was definitely a mullet. Mine was too. The other person, uh, male, also had a mullet. Kind of a mullet. Yeah. No, totally. We yeah. all had. Yeah. We did, uh, for anyone that is interested, we did, we had a free group on for a, you, yeah. for a mall shoot. Yes. Uh, really far, uh, for anyone who lives in Southern California, it was in Ar- far. it was in Arcadia. Arcadia's far. No, it wasn't Arcadia. I think it was like. Was it farther? Yeah, I think it was far further. I want to say like, well, I guess they're kind of close. Baldwin Hills. It just felt far. It it was it was far. <laughs> it just felt yeah. far. But then we went there. We went to in this this mall photography studio, which is still those things are still around, and yes. we did a. Um, we decided to do a Fourth of July, and shoot and NBA, and yes, NBA basketball. Uh, two Lake Laker fans and a Golden State Warriors fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are years ago before the Warriors were really really good. I think this was like over five years ago. More, yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Be- it's before it the Warriors were like. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Hiromi, I think I can mention this. Uh, big Laker fan. Yes. I haven't watched the Lakers in a while. And no, not that big? I, well, big. I was, and then I stopped wa- I stopped watching for a while. I went to two two sh- games, but that was the Kobe era and not that I'm a huge Kobe fan, but um that era. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're a Laker fan. Yes, I am a Laker okay. fan. Yeah, for sure. For okay. Sure. Um, I like Derek Fisher. Wow. Yeah. Once he left, it was it was done. Oh my gosh! Really? <laughs> I know that was just long... because of Fisher. Well, no, 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 not just because of him, but it just felt like the integrity of the Lakers were kind of I don't know. 
it wasn't as enjoyable, but now I know that there's a big buzz again for the Lakers, so I might watch again. Yeah, and you you know Derek Fisher had personal issues unrelated to the basketball court that were dramatic. Oh, he did? Maybe he didn't. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't want oh, to taint no. I don't want to taint your, oh, no. your I don't want to taint your perspective of Derek Fisher. Oh, stop. Yeah, I won't. He he got into some stuff. Oh, uh, he did. Some 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 people oh. romantic romantical issues. Oh no. Yeah. Okay, once you say that it, I I know what you're talking about probably. It it it's not like it's more like uh uh you know, violating guy code stuff. Okay, okay. Not, not quite the... Oh, okay. Not like violent stuff. Okay. Just like, oh, That's you violated still, yeah. the code of men oh, in the world of dating okay. and friendships. That's all. Yeah. I was a huge Ariza fan, too. I, I can't remember where he's playing now. I think he... He played for Houston. Oh, that's right. And, the then, and then now he's going to Phoenix. Okay. Uh, as of this taping, he may be on another team. Okay. I don't know. But... Uh, but yeah, that's. I guess that concludes the NBA portion <laughs> of of this discussion. Uh, the mullet and the the NBA. mullet and the NBA. Yeah, uh, this is cool to me because I uh, do not know much about the world of therapy, M- mental health. Yeah, mental health therapy. Uh, that profession. So for me, this is going to be like kind of a fun or interesting or sad. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I'll feel emotionally, but, but, uh, nonetheless, a cool learning experience for me, uh, as a writer in Los Angeles, uh, to, to hear from a therapist somewhere in the state of California yeah. as we're trying to keep. It's a pretty big Hiromi's corporation. Hiromi's location work, a little <laughs> bit of, a mystery because of the nature of her work so yeah. so yeah bef- before you kind of tell the the best story you've never told feel free to change any names or anything you want to aliases to yeah. protect those involved yeah uh you know john smith jane smith yeah i can't say it anyway even right. if i was just talking to you outside of this podcast no identifying information about clients absolutely um anyway so I'll, of course i'll um i will not disclose anything that i you can use celebrity to. names it'll just that be, might be a little confusing yeah it'll throw people off actually yeah standard yeah. super generic names that yeah. you couldn't really identify people's right i'm anything. so used to that so i know this I is gonna be interesting i don't i don't ever you know of course i can't ever say anyone's name anyway or their age or yeah um demographic so it's not weird for me here to here's a quick starter question uh as a therapist is that easy to kind of like is it like a learned skill to just know to be very discreet yes okay all the time um even with co-workers Mm. who i'm not sure if they know the certain patient or client i'm talking about I describe their, usually their work, like patient is a fourth grade teacher that just recently went through this, and then the doctors will tell me, oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's 
a way to sort of yeah, communicate. Because usually we're not in people's offices. We're yeah. just consulting when we, you know, walk by each other. So we have to just be very careful. Yeah. So this should be fairly easy. Cool. Well, thanks in advance for sharing yeah. what I'm about to hear and the audience at large. Uh, let's get, uh, uh, I guess, uh, a glimpse into the world of mental health and therapy. And that's all I know. I might, I don't know. Maybe I'll be laughing. Maybe I'll be crying. I don't know. We'll see. No, it's not. It's not an intense story, but it, so should I just start? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. And just a disclaimer. Um, when I start talking about stories that I get a little bit into, I say like, and totally a lot. So just to be warned. Which are descriptors used in many places know, in the United States. Okay. I think it'll be fine. It'll, okay. it'll make the story more real okay. and authentic. Okay. Because it's not like it's not a, this is not a staged right. performance. Like I didn't you, even think about this for a while, actually. Yeah. You, so. you know, if you need to say like and totally and for sure and it's all rad. that rad. Yeah. Lit AF. I don't say that. I wouldn't no no one should say that. <laughs> no one should write that either, you know? Okay. So my story does relate to my work, but I'll just begin with what it relates to originally is I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. I want to say fifth grade, because I think I was I don't know, how old are you when you're in fifth grade? Maybe <sighs> Are you like oh. 10? You're close. Yeah. You roughly or 11. Or, you're, you're getting, I don't know. Yeah. You're getting there. Yeah. 10, 10 yeah. ish. Yeah. Maybe even younger. So maybe fourth or fifth grade, just somewhere around nine or 10 years old in elementary school. Um, out of the blue, I think he was a new kid. Cause I swear I never saw him before, but this little boy, okay. He's in my grade. So he's what? Nine or 10 years old. He had red hair and freckles, and he just like came out of nowhere. I can't even remember his name, but um, he just started bullying me like every single day. Like he was just, you know, the the stereotypical Asian, like ching chong, ching, you know. He would just wait for me after the bell because we weren't in the same homeroom, I guess. Um, wow. Okay. He, we were in the same grade, but we weren't in the same class that got out for recess. And he would just wait for me and he would just bow at me and just, you know, everything that you probably maybe even encountered yourself or, but just, it was so intense because I would start walking away with my best friend and he would just like, he would just walk behind me and bow at me and just make really offensive offensive comments about you know my eyes and like how can you even see out of your eyes and you know just the whole thing I feel like it's nothing new it, but it was really it was really upsetting me and you know some teachers even saw I think there's always a teacher during lunch and recess and they don't really do anything and mm. I never I told myself I'm never going to cry in front of him because I just didn't want to give him that satisfaction and he was just so annoying and it was like every day for a month and I realized like he never had friends like he only followed me like huh. no one wanted to be friends with him and he just had this very 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 distinct look about him 
Um, and I just started kind of ignoring him at first. And then I actually said something to him and he just got even worse with me. So I just tried to ignore him. My best friend at the time, she's not Asian. She started crying because she was so upset how much it was just really frustrating. I wouldn't say it was traumatic, but it was really, it was just, yeah, yeah, it gets under your skin. Yeah, for sure. And like no one ever did anything like no authority or the person at recess didn't blow their whistle or anything like that. And after like a whole month passed, he just disappeared. I don't know what happened to him because he wasn't, he for sure wasn't there when I graduated elementary school. Like, I don't know if he just came for fifth grade or fourth grade or whatever it was, but I never saw him again. Okay. And I never talked to any, I don't even think I told my family about him. Some friends saw it, um, but I never talked about it. And then fast forward to about two years ago, I was at my work, where I currently work right now, and we don't get uh, a choice in who we would work best with, like clients. Okay. Um, We just get assigned, and they're just on our schedule. Okay. And I specifically don't as a preference only like to work with adults because I don't really have a lot of child experience um, as a therapist and it's a whole different kind of ball game with okay child therapy right and so this is when I first oh no no it wasn't sorry um, I was already at this current job for a while but um, he was on my schedule again i didn't you know i specifically said i don't work not well but i don't my specialty is not with kids okay so this nine-year-old kid was on my schedule so i called his name in the lobby i don't know anything about him i did look at his assessment that just shows like his background and i saw that he was coming in for separation anxiety so that means he's okay uh, has not just a little bit of worry, but intense, um, pretty significant anxiety about being left um, away from his parents, okay. his primary caregivers, for whatever reason. And so I called his name out, and this little boy looks exactly like my fourth or fifth grade bully. Ooh. Same, you know, stature, same red hair, same... Re- freckles and same face okay so i only know that he has separation anxiety so i there's this thing in um the mental health field called counter transference basically it means when we as therapists are triggered by the patient so something about them maybe the way they talk it doesn't mean just the way they look but something about them rubs us the wrong way yeah. Because it triggers something in us. So I had pretty significant countertransference. I didn't know this kid. I thought, you know, he looked almost identical. And again, I wow. don't even know why he was on my schedule because I, I said that I work, you know, I prefer to work with adults and older adults. I like older adults. Yeah. Because um, I had some training uh, with that population. 
And so this little kid comes in with mom and dad because it's their first session with me. Okay. Um, and I was already a little bit guarded because all of my own, you know, countertransference that this kid yeah. was going to make me feel bad or just like really test me. Right. Um, and he ended up being like after the first session, he, he told me he, he was like the most sweetest, empathic, um, sensitive kid. And he, he told me at my first session that he got the nicest kid award. Huh. And he was in therapy because he didn't even know what therapy was, but he was, he said he would scream every time his mom would take him to school. Like he would not leave the car because he thought something bad would happen to his parents. Oh, not wow. so much him. I yeah. don't know what happened and good parents, like they're just really grateful because I think mom had him when he, she was 40. So she didn't even think that she could have a kid. Okay. So he was, you know, not spoiled, but he was treated very well, well attended to. And so he had this very, very sweet natured um, disposition about him. And for me, I was always a little bit guarded because I just thought that he would be this little jerk. Yeah. And maybe even say like a rude comment about my like being Asian. I don't know. I just thought of like kind of the worst case scenario. Uh, just the way he looked because he reminded me so much of this bully that I had and I transferred to a different location um, it's the same company but I transferred to a different location and on my last day transferring I had to discharge him because I was leaving and he for his birthday they didn't, they didn't have a lot of money he gave me two fives and a card and he didn't have an envelope so he put it in this big ziploc 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 sandwich bag and he put like the ten dollars and the card and he was just like thank you for being the best therapist in the world and oh that's sweet and i had seen him for two years so we had a really good relationship and he will never know this um he's probably like 11 now but he really healed me from that experience and I never told it because maybe it just brought up a lot of my vulnerability. So yeah. Yeah. It was just like this full circle. Um, like I had my own biases, just the way that he looked and presented. Um, but mm-hmm. he was like the exact opposite of what this kid. Yeah was for me when I was nine years old and trying to get away from this jerk. Wow. Um, and that, and that's, that's the tale. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of work in between, but it was never about, oh yeah, he was, he was in fact bullied heavily hmm. throughout school. Yeah. And you know, he was, he was made fun of for his red hair and just being right. pale and being really sensitive and ve- being very, very nice to other kids. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, I want to launch into a little bit of a discussion. Yeah, sure. I have never heard of counter 
transference. So that's, I guess I always wondered, yeah. like, what happens when a therapist gets mm-hmm. triggered? Like, I, I th- maybe I thought about it in the back of my mind, but I never, I didn't know, like, if there's actually a process. Um, so you, you see this kid, he looks like your childhood exactly. Billy. Exactly, yes. To T, and, and so do you, is there, like, a process where you, where you were, like, I might have to ask to have the kid reassigned or something. Is there like a thing that happens there? Um, There could be sometimes, but I felt like at the very first session, not that I was completely relaxed, I realized this is not my bully. This is not a kid that would even um, try to joke with me about offensive things. Like it is a very, very different... (laughs) empathic kid you know I he wanted to take selfies with me because he talked about me to his friends they sent me Christmas cards to my work to my job not my personal home and for me it was just interesting how he and his family would thank me all the time for helping their son yeah um and even the client himself would tell me thank you especially in that last card I got but they never knew how much healing that they were give he was giving to me. Yeah. Because that was the first time I think I dealt with that much persistent bullying in my life. Mm-hmm. And because I can still see his face. And so when I saw the kid in the lobby, when I t- you know, got him at the front, I just immediately thought of this bully. Yeah. Um, had you had... Had you had... Was this like the first client that gave you sort of a like healing impact on on you before? To this degree, yes. Okay. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was just very interesting because I think that if he was being offensive and he did make me feel cuz you know, we as therapists were supposed to be objective we're not supposed to right. tell people what to do or okay. like, you know you should break up with this person or you shouldn't you should tell your mom this it's not about that it's just trying to guide guide them yeah and let them come to the conclusion of what to do so if i felt like i wasn't being objective i would actually ask my manager to reassign the kid okay but yeah, like even after three sessions, uh, I could already feel myself just, you know, letting that wall come down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, hmm. I'm just really interested in all this. Yeah. I, I, I like, I have a lot of like <laughs> thoughts or like work questions. Like, yeah, like, no, you know, ask them. How, it's like, you know, your job involves being very aware of people's uh, mental health yes. and emotions. And, mm-hmm. and like, how, <laughs> how do you, I guess, like, it's like you, you knew you had a, you've had a bully in your life that has significantly impacted you. Yeah. That, like, maybe one part of your brain as a, the therapist part and would know how to treat it or like handle it. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you're still a person. You're still 
Hiromi from Parts Unknown USA, <laughs> you know, like, ha- like, I guess, like, like, it took seeing that kid to kind of start the wheels in motion for you to he- heal, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even, like, how, like, were you, like, are you always in your head and then, like, out of your head? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? How do you kind of, how does your brain, how is your yeah. brain working? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting because... On the flip side, I only have seen two bullies. I usually see the people that are bullied, and that's something I can more connect with, right? Because yeah. I was bullied. But it's also interesting to treat, to help people who are the bulliers to see it from a different standpoint, to not just look at it how it would, how, how, it impacts how their behavior impacts other people. That's a little bit trickier because, you know, as therapists, we're more used to providing support and yeah. solutions for something for someone to do something about it. So we're never telling the people that are bullied you need to apologize or anything like that and um it's just a very different angle and so whenever I get bulliers it's it does make me feel a little bit more i don't know i don't think it acts as accesses the same part of the brain yeah than to give support to somebody no yeah like i mean for you you have obviously you were affected by this client yeah where I would imagine you, in a way, are bringing your work home. Mm-hmm. Like, do you generally, I feel like in my rudimentary knowledge of therapy, that therapists have to, for the, their own sanity, right. keep, keep their work at home. Yeah. I mean, uh, keep the work at the office. Yes. And then you, sure. go, you go home and you be yourself and whatever. Yeah. And however, there are those specific cases, though, where... Like you said, I'm a human being and I get triggered just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, and those cases and even more intense ones have affected me beyond work. I can't just turn that switch yeah. off. Uh, so in the case of this uh, this sort of reincarnated bully looking kid, <laughs> uh, did, did you seek any uh, assistance, counseling, advice from anybody? Or was it all self, did you, you know, handled like self internally, I guess? I, that's interesting because I'm usually very, I usually have a therapist. I think at that time, I did not have a regular therapist. Okay. Um, for myself, just to consult with, not like a manager, but someone that I can talk to about how profound that situation was for me. Yeah. I mean, this kid, when I was little, he never was physically abusive, but I just felt like it just tore me down for like a whole month. And then I never saw him again. So I never felt like I got any sort of closure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, it would have been nice, I think, to process it with somebody that, you know, yeah. can really go in there deep with me but it's interesting because I it's a story that I thought about for this podcast yet I haven't really talked to people about it 
And I'm like one of the first, sort of. Yeah, I've told people about how sweet he he was that he gave me his birthday money. Like, what what nine-year-old would ever give $10 of their precious birthday money yeah. to their therapist and want to take selfies with them but did you do you are you allowed to keep the money or what do you do i did but i'm not i'm uh, i think i'm gonna frame it i still have it oh you still have the money in the sandwich bag oh <laughs> like in your so office cute. it's not in my office because i feel weird about framing money in my office that's but true it just reminds me when i don't feel like i'm doing a good job that I yeah. had this impact on this kid, but I never really thought about how much he's made an impact on me and right. really healed some childhood distress. I wouldn't call it trauma, um, but some really big insecurities. And Yeah, I yeah. think, you know, maybe we could touch on that a little bit too. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Hiromi may or may not be Asian, but for purposes of this <laughs> talk, she is... Asian. Uh, I think and my name is pretty. I, it's a little bit of a giveaway. But yeah, when you're a little kid and basically like for you, like on a daily basis, you're being pointed out as other, different, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. like the rest of us. Yep. Uh, he's doing things that are basically huge stereotypes, things you may not even do yourself, but that, right. yeah, like, um, did that kind of, I don't know, did that, the, do you, can you objectively look and see how that maybe shaped your view of the world, uh, if at all, or? Well, I have a very difficult name, too, and I was really a shrimp at that age. Okay. So I don't think those two factors, I mean, it's already challenging to be different being Asian uh, American, but I think when you're really short and and small, like you, they know that you can't defend yourself, and you have a a name that people can't pronounce. Yeah, I think I'm just a target, um, and it's not like the butchering of the name just stopped when I was a kid. I know I didn't get callbacks from jobs because of my name. Be I've heard people say on the phone, yes, she is female when mm. they're assigning clients to me. And I heard another person say, yeah, she speaks English. This oh, is the clerical wow. staff. So I know that already yeah. people have this distorted view of who I am right. because they can't tell. And it is, in fact, a unisex name. So... Uh, they don't know if I'm male or female, if I have an accent and, you know, all these factors that it didn't just start from that bully. Okay. I think it just, you know, carried on throughout my life and still currently. Yeah. I would imagine as an adult, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really go away, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's not in like a kid form, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, there's more maybe institutionalized or yeah, subtle sure. things yeah. that maybe you've experienced and, and mm -hmm. I've certainly experienced in the work that I've done in my life. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I want to think of a good closing question, but I, I, 
I think it's really, this is like cool. Like that you, that it's like the therapist got therapy, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah therapist like, therapy. This yeah. feels like, like a movie a little bit, you know, like <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's, it's like a real story, but it feels like a, like a movie-ish, like a. Yeah. You know, I always thought that was an interesting angle. Like what you, we truly think about when. Um, what the therapist is actually thinking about because we're supposed to be very, just very objective. And so and we do come across as a little bit, not standoffish, what's the word? Just very neutral. And, and you're probably, when the person's, you know, sharing their thoughts, you're looking at it in like a sort of clinical, educational mm-hmm manner and trying to you know evaluate what this person is experiencing and how you can best you know assist and so yeah like I can kind of I can I can have a bad analogy relation to it but as me writing films and movies or whatever Mm -hmm. or tv shows when I watch tv and film stuff I'm like I can see how the the gears work Mm-hmm. I can see how the clock works, you know, so I'm like, I'm watching it, but I, I can't really enjoy it. Right. Because I'm like, I sort of know the mechanics. Right. Or not. Or yeah. like, um, so, yeah, I, let me, let me close with this. I, I like to end with like a little closing sure. question. Uh, now that you've shared this story that you haven't shared publicly, mm-hmm. how do you feel? a little I don't know I don't know how you feel it's this weird not awkward but a little exposed but I think it's important for clients to know that we as therapists are not these robots that we actually when we're hearing your story are feeling something too, which reminds us of something. And it's an exchange. It's not just, okay, you tell your presenting issue that's going on in your life and we're just these, you know, filters that we're actually processing it because of what we went through too. We just can't share. Yeah. You know, so it's this interesting dynamic of, yeah I just I think it's important for people to realize that we also are feeling um, inspired and we're doing healing just as much as the client as well I like that answer it's a great answer like I was (laughs) like oh that's a that's a great unrehearsed answer (laughs) I totally put you on the spot no that's that's a very nice very nice way to, to close out the episode so uh, I just want to thank my guest, Hiromi, who that might not be her real name. She may or may <laughs> not be okay. Asian. She may or may not live in California. We don't know. But oh. there was a person that has just told a really nice and uh, interesting story. So thank you for listening. Uh, I don't really have an official sign-off yet. Do you want to sign off for the show? How do I sign off? Just Like Seacrest out or whatever? No, not Seacrest out. Well, no, I know, but the... Oh. Just like buy.
Bye. Thanks yeah. for having me. This was fun. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Hey, I think you want to listen to another one, right? Well, you can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or our website at beststoryinevertold.com. And for those of you who are interested in sponsoring future episodes, we would love it. Contact us at beststoryinevertold at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.